They're the boys in the back room. We have a guy who works in the back, Eric Jones. He's the big German. Be nice to Marvin. He'll be taking your calls today. Chat row, Tyler, the moderator, handling the duties there. A couple of weeks ago, Dylan was getting us breakfast. Now he's doing graphics on this program. You know who? Blame Mario. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the uh, backroom guys are not allowed to eat until 12.15. You're now listening to the 12.15 Club. Welcome back to another edition of 12.15 Club. It is Ariel here in the mic. I am joined by all of your favorite backroom guys, Eric the Big German, Dylan the Graphics Guy, Marvin the Prince, and we also got Alan the IT Chef with us this week. First of all, I would just want to start off right out of the gate because I found this crazy. So we're being, we're you know in a commercial break and Alan's preparing the, our French dips that we had going on today. And I see Dan come out and he's like, Alan, mayonnaise? And I just found that crazy. Mayonnaise is such a great condiment. So I guess my question more so for you, Alan, was how often are you preparing something for Meat Friday where Dan like shoots it down or he's not really on board with what you're making uh well i mean he's been not necessarily on board i mean he he has a thing against onions he has a thing against meatloaf a big thing against meatloaf um but the the cool thing at least lately is no matter how i prepare it he usually will try how i prepare the meal first before he moves on and does it his own way uh if he doesn't like something you know, he, he's never really not liked anything, but sometimes he doesn't necessarily like how I dress something up. Like if I put too many raw onions or too many, or, you know, too much mayonnaise or something like that. Yeah. I mean, he, he'll, he can get turned off, but for the most part, he will usually try it. Yeah. Like he tried the mayonnaise today uh, or this, the French dip with the mayonnaise on there. Yeah. Does he let you know when he doesn't like it? Like, is he coming to you and he's like, Alan, let's not do that again. Or let's not do it this way again. Cause well, I to he, he's that. never done that, but he'll, he will give me feedback as to stuff he likes better than other things. Um, which I appreciate. I mean, if you, you know, if you don't really like something, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's like, I tell my kids all the time, you know, tell me if you don't like something, you don't have to always, you know, stroke my ego. I, if, if you tell me that you love something, I'm going to keep making it. Yep. And, no. <laughs> and that's not good for anybody. <laughs> Last week. He said, so you made like the cherry bomb chicken last week. And I, yeah. on air, he said, oh, I'm going to have to do some research into this and figure out what it is. Uh, mm-hmm. What was the feedback from that? Or, you know, how often is he coming to you? Could you send him the, the menu pretty much yeah. the middle of the week? How often does he come back to you? And he's like skeptical about what never, you're going to do. Never, ever. Even when I've done meatloaf. He, you know, he, I did meatloaf at the old building. Uh, it, it was the first time that I was making it on the Traeger and he specifically came back and said, I don't like meatloaf. He goes, and, and he said, make it good. I made a good meatloaf and he liked it. He went back for seconds. If I see the guys go back for seconds, you know, generally I, I like to think that maybe I've done my job. I know with the majority of the guys in here, they're going to go back for seconds, even though they don't like the food. <laughs> yeah, Eric. But uh, th- so we're doing this over zoom as I think we've said a couple weeks ago, just to keep our social distancing uh, activities up. And, and I know all where that. you're going with this. But uh, as there's five boxes here and Marvin and Dylan are, while Alan's going on, are off camera, just three knuckles deep in this sandwich. Alan, is that a, <laughs> is that a good review for you? These two guys knuckleheads. It makes me feel good. I, I'm, I, I'm not going to lie. I mean, I love it when I see the guys go back to, you know, like, like I said, when they go back for seconds, 
is, is the real thing. But you know, when when they, I do also notice, and I noticed it with Paul today. Like even in the middle of the of the segment, he was going into the sandwich and he was hitting it. Which, you know, if you push it aside and and wait, that you know, then I think maybe you know maybe they didn't like it so much. But yeah, when they're when they're eating it mid segment, I know I uh, I did okay. To be well, fair, I mean. Alan, everything that you pretty much prepare is pretty spot on. I think there was one thing that you prepared once that I was like, eh, and everybody else liked it. So I may have been the only one on that. Dylan? You can't please everybody. Um, Well, I was like, this week is French dip. And like French dip, I mean, obviously it's, you know, it's steak and like sauce and stuff. So it's going to be good whenever, but particularly good when it's warmer. So in order to, you know, who knows how long we'll be sitting here for. I don't want it to get cold. So, hence why. Right. Yes, I know, the smallest violin in the world. <laughs> oh, you have really big issues there, Dylan. It's the bread. The bread on that sandwich is the thing. And I, I was able to get my hands on some really quality bread. Good baguette. For this week, yeah, that was good. Alan, not only were you tasked this week with putting together our Meat Friday, our French dip sandwiches, you also had to put together a Mountain Dew cake. So earlier in the week, Paul Papp's producer, executive producer, revealed that there is a Mountain Dew recipe book out mm-hmm. right now, mm-hmm. right? Eric, you had a question for Alan based on this uh, cake that he had to prepare for Todd. Well, it was just a, a little less about the cake in particular and more about just kind of the flow of the show and the perception of the front room guys and what the back room guys do. It was funny today, twice during the show. So everyone knows I direct the show and I can see all of the cameras and there's a camera on um, the radio control room where Alan sits and uh, Dan was starting the show and he was like, yo, it's a big day. And we got lime green Mountain Dew cake <laughs> that Paul made for, for Todd. And Alan kind of throws <laughs> his hands up and he's like, what do you need? And you know, he, Alan's worked hours on it at home and blah, blah, blah. And then later in the show, Dan was talking about Christmas ornaments and um, the calendars and uh, credited you and Marvin, even though Dylan's the one that has to deal with all the postage uh, going to and from uh, the, yeah, you have to get people to sign. I know it's a tough job. I have job. to get people to sign. I have to repackage them. I have to make sure they're going back to the right people because some, some of them are personalized. So I package them, Mario. I'd say I do package them. I would say I'm like the assist man. Dylan just kind of picks them up, takes all of them to the post office. Well, if if you think it's nothing, why don't you start doing it? Well, I got I got some things that I got to do sometimes after the show. I right, so turn this back to Alan, our <laughs> our guest. So you know you do get a lot of credit for uh, the stuff you do for Meat Friday, but it is funny when sometimes it doesn't land. Uh, and I wondered how you felt about that today. Oh, it, 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 honest to God, it, it really doesn't bother me. I, a lot of times the, the hands that go up, that's probably, that's more for you <laughs> than anybody else. So Eric and I are on headset together as are most of the guys, but um, our conversations are rarely have anything to do with what we're supposed to be doing. <laughs> that's we're generally be careful. Dan listens to this, Alan. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think he likes the camaraderie. Too. We, uh, we have some fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, I, I, I get plenty of credit for everything that, you know, that, that I contribute, as, at least as far as, you know, the cooking, the computers are uh, abysmal. They, They're a mess, like as they say. say. <laughs> uh, Eric? <laughs> that being said, I just want people to know from Alan, what Alan does behind the scenes. Like, if the recipe says, oh, you need to have, um, you know, like today, it was some sort of 
mayonnaise dip or something. He, Alan doesn't just like go to the store and buy a dip. He doesn't just go to the store and use barbecue sauce. He makes all these homemade sauces. And I, a lot of times I feel bad because he'll spend all this time doing it. You know, he'll make a rub from scratch instead of using something. Not that the trigger rubs are bad. We use those a lot of times, but sometimes if for whatever it tickles his fancy, he'll yeah. spend all this time, uh, at home doing this and then sometimes it's just um dan does a good job giving you credit but it is sometimes mm -hmm. funny like where it's uh um you know you do put a lot of effort in and uh it's it's just interesting to see how sometimes that lands and sometimes it doesn't yeah sometimes it does not sometimes it's just it, it sometimes the, the the things that i deem the, the hardest or the most intricate it, it, those are the things that are usually glossed over by the right. way that's always the simple stuff that chipotle lime sauce that you did today was very very well done I'm so, glad you liked it. just to give it wasn't you as good as alan's chicken though mm -mm. <laughs> Dylan. nothing beats my chicken um i was just gonna say as uh as someone who has uh i stepped in for alan twice when he was on uh on the road one time and i think like i i'm into cooking too as i know alan is so i think there's definitely like obviously you know it's easy to buy some of the stuff pre-made, but part of the fun is like making chimichurri or something, yeah, even though absolutely. you can go buy it. All right. Oh, I get that. Side of it. There. No, Mario. I mean, just why don't you leave? <laughs> <laughs> Alan, always a pleasure to have you on. Thanks for sticking around after your long day to talk with us. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Always great to have Alan, the IT chef on. Alan's one of my favorite people actually here. No offense to any of you guys, but. Uh, Thanks, Mario. I mean, actually, you should all be taking offense to that. But let's move on to the next topic. So the next topic is Dan. I had, I had a little bit of some spelling issues this week um, in, in two cases. This <laughs> one, of them, one of them was a little bit more in a public form. And the other one was an email that I sent to Dan. I didn't necessarily think that he would uh, bring it out and read the email. but um. You know, it's all content at the end of the day, right? So as everybody knows, I do the uh, newsletter. So every day we send out a daily recap of each show uh, to your emails where you can sign up uh, for that on DP uh, or DanPatrick.com. So I send that out and I did. It was Monday and it was best and worst. And I think Fritzy had done that Indiana Michael Penix, their quarterback, was his best of the weekend. Um, so I went and I was including that in my newsletter and I spelled Penix with two N's. Uh, and I, for some reason I thought it was two N's. I don't know. So I see Dan, uh, first thing is I see Dan Tuesday morning and Dan's like two N's and I had no idea what he was referring to. Was like, what do you mean? Two N's. He's like two N's. And I was like, Dan, I, I don't know what you're talking about. He's like, Michael Penix is spelt with two N's. And I, right there, I just wanted to crawl onto a little hole and not be seen for the rest of the day. Because when Dan calls you out on something that you actually uh, screwed up, it just makes you like crumble inside. Eric? Yeah, I mean, the uh, there's kind of some funny little things behind the scenes on uh, your spelling or grammatical or use or not use of commas. And I'm in no way an expert, but, uh, but it's funny. There's been a few uh, comments I've seen on social media and... Uh, Yikes. You know, I think it's an opportunity for you to improve, which is good, but it, um, it's difficult to uh, do that while Dan, who is, uh, seem, does seem to have a great handle on the written and oral English language, uh, much better than I, I would uh, say I have, um, 
but uh you know when he's watching it's uh you get a little nervous um, yeah yeah for yeah. sure yeah i mean now every time i send out the newsletter i feel like i read it 15 times i'm like so hesitant to hit send because i'm like i just don't want to disappoint dan uh dylan well i mean as you know i've had a spelling blunder or two in the past on the graphic side of things <laughs> um, how did dan pretty... react to that when so um, just to refresh everybody's memory here yeah oh, so early, early on in the in my my graphics building career um i uh i mi misspelled i forget what it was it's something it was a charles barkley um you know guest graphic and i think i jumbled a couple letters together and then you know got put on blast during the morning meeting uh because they played it they played a clip from it and happened to see it during that so i was like ah great um and then it actually turned into brett the french kid decided to make a short feature on my uh debacle but it was uh again like you said it's all content at the end of the day but in the moment you're like ah crap not so the the big difference between what happened with mine and what happened with yours is your clip went viral because it, and it was, it didn't go viral because of your spelling it went viral because what charles barkley had to say was pretty newsworthy at the time he was saying you know that draymond green was like the fifth member of the backstreet boys and nobody really came out to see him um so i mean i wouldn't i mean i'm not pointing any fingers here or anything but i would say yours was a little bit worse than mine and you know what? I guess that's just my cross to bear. Some men are stronger than others, though, Mario. <laughs> uh, Eric, you also—I mean, you're gonna—you're gonna say no. You're gonna deny it naturally. But there was a little instance where Dan came into the back and you know told you something that why didn't we do this earlier? Do you recall what I'm uh, speaking about? You seem to call it differently than I do. Essentially what happened was we had on Wednesday's show, we had two separate authors on who had uh, books and it was, I don't know, 8.20, maybe 8.30, 30 minutes to air. And I said to Weeks, uh, the camera operator, I said, can you go grab those books? I knew that there was one um, that was uh, sitting in the bullpen area and um, another book had come in a few days before. So I was pretty sure that was the one. Uh, so I said, can you grab those and we'll do quick uh, cutaways of it and I'll play them back later. And he's like, oh, I can't find the books. And I'm like, okay, we'll keep looking. Well, unbeknownst to me, he went and asked Dan where the books were, um, which was not what I asked him to do. But um, anyways, that's what he elected to do. So Dan knew where the books were, so he gave them to him. And then he came back and said, you know, we really should try to do these a little bit earlier. He was wondering why we hadn't done it. And um, the difference between my interaction with Dan and yours is mine was not public uh, until this moment. Thank you very much, Mario. Yours uh, went out behind with, the scenes. We're, yeah. I'm, re I'm really trying to give people what they came here for, which is some behind the scenes here. This, Dan this is how the sausage is made. So the, <laughs> the sausage is made the 30 minutes to air. We were pre-taping something and Dan wants to do it sooner, which was fine. Uh, and I understand why, but um, whether he said that or not, we still were going to have the shot ready for the show. So um, yours went out um, and uh, millions of people saw it. So that's the difference. All right. Well, you don't have to put it like that, Eric, because I already <laughs> feel bad about it because Dan made me feel bad about it. So, but, you know, going forward, Michael Penix, uh, Graham Mertz, all these college quarterbacks, they're all going to be spelled correctly. And Tire Woods, Tire Woods is with an S. Who would have known, right? Uh, so I sent Dan an email during the show on 
two or Wednesday, they were doing the Callaway. They were doing uh, the Masters draft, and I spelled Tiger Woods without an S, and he called me out on air too. Marv, should we have like a sports spelling bee one day, primarily to embarrass some of our uh, cohorts, and just to see who? I'm out, by the way. I'll be out in the first round, so you guys can have it. (laughs) Yeah, but I think everyone will be out if we say spell the Greek freak's real name. Giannis Attentacumpo. Spell it. Nah, I'm not. I'm gonna pass on that. Starts with a Z, right? (laughs) Um, wait. So, just backtracking slightly. So, did you spell his name Penix instead of Penix? I spelled it P E N N I X. It's supposed to be P. Oh, it's only only one N. One N. Yeah. So. Maybe you're doing him a favor, adding it, throwing an extra end in there, because then there's less room for confusion. <laughs> it's a good point. I like the spin zone on that, Dill. I like the spin zone. So as Eric alluded to a little bit earlier, we had a couple couple authors on this week, right? So we had Wright Thompson and uh, Jim Gray. So Jim Gray is not necessarily an author, but he just released a book. Uh, but more so the Wright Thompson conversation stood out to me. <laughs> And the Wright Thompson conversation stood out to me for one reason. Dan admitted to trafficking booze, which I was like, well, he's doing this live on air with a lot of people there. Eric, I think you facilitated in helping him traffic this booze because I remember one moment, one of those moments that he talked about, you were very much involved. Can you uh, speak for yourself there? Amara had a little case of the giggles in that setup there, but um, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, there's been a couple of times uh, that uh, Dan has asked me to help him in procuring things. Um, He had ordered, I don't remember the uh, distiller, but I think it was out of uh, California. They have a very ornate uh, tequila bottle and uh, I don't know the price point, but I would guess it was significant. And um, I think he had had ordered it for, uh, I think it was a staff gift. And, uh, so he was like, oh, we need to get it. And, um, had to go to the post office and it, you had to have an ID, but it had to be the person that, whose name was on the package. And so we brought the idea, but then ID, but then that person had to be there. Eventually we get it and it's, there's no, there's no booze left. Everything's broken. The, <laughs> the, the, they give me the package and it's just drenched. And you're like, um, I don't think this is what we ordered. And of course, you know, they don't care. And um, they took three attempts to get those bottles of uh, tequila. The tequila was very good, by the way. But um, yeah, that was, uh, I think it was a different time than what he was talking about in the uh, interview. But uh, nonetheless, yeah, um, Dan has an amazing taste for for everything. But but alcohol, he's got, you know, his um, taste in wines. I, I like his taste in tequila. I usually like, unless it's a, mezcal i can't do that but um but yeah he's so sometimes you got to import that stuff and uh you know it goes sometimes it goes a little sideways so you're stuck in the middle and if dan ever gets in trouble necessarily it'll be you you're like dan's coyote yeah i'm just here to do my job uh, wait what's the what's the line uh i'm just trying my best no no it's like i'm just, I'm here, just here so, so i don't so, get fined. so i don't get fined yeah that's me well, hopefully you don't get fined for that. That uh, Dylan, your uh, taste is similar to Dan's, right? <laughs> in, in tequila, he just likes alcohol. Yeah. Well, <laughs> no, I actually I do. So 
I actually do have a really refined palate, but at the same time, I'm also a trash can. So I'll eat Todd's <laughs> um, Mountain Dew cake. Yeah, you're the only but, one that's going to eat that. Yeah, I mean, not, I, it's, it literally that. looks like it's like the greenest thing I've ever seen. Yeah, um, I'm not, I'm I have to sure. just purely based on color alone. It looks so revolting that I have to try it. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm not. But yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I'm like, I'm a big wine tequila cigar guy too um and then i also like taco bell <laughs> well that's all i got for you dylan uh speaking of todd todd had a big day so he had his mountain dew cake and then he also wanted to unveil a limerick that he created or allegedly created um based on the masters here's how that went here we go well masters music and here's Todd Fritz with his Masters Limerick. Augusta in November is a treat. No gallery, so just take a seat. Azalea's not in bloom, but no doom and gloom. Think Tiger Woods can repeat? All right. I'm going thumbs up. Thank you. All right, so my question here is, does anybody actually think Todd came up with that by himself? The last time I ever even heard of a limerick was in like elementary school. I haven't written a, lim- a limerick since. That is where Todd stuck. In the eighties. Yeah. Do you think he? Do you think he actually came up with that? And he thought to himself, "I'm going to sit here for whatever, however many seconds, and uh, write this limerick on the masters." Dylan. I mean, I don't know. I wouldn't put it past Todd. He is pretty creative. Um, at the same time. It seemed a little like too, even though it was, it was, you know, the tone of it was on brand with Todd. It seemed a little too well fleshed out for Todd to have like, I think he said he thought of it in the car on the way here this morning. And I was like, I, it doesn't really add up. He did come up with the one about the guy from Nantucket though. I know that for a fact. He did also come up with the one from, uh, about Tyler, the rap. Yeah. And that was like four minutes. Yeah. And I, you know, we cut some of that out. And he said, if you need any more, I have some more. So Todd, the wordsmith, Todd Fritz, he, every week he does something that just blows my mind every single week. Dylan or Eric. Yeah. I feel bad listening back to last week's 1215. We basically just kind of trash Todd for 20 minutes. I don't intend to do that today, but, uh, not trash, but told stories about Todd for 20 minutes. But, uh, you know, I, I just, uh, he does give you a lot of things to talk about. A lot of content, uh, maybe not towards the nine to noon portion of the Dan Patrick show in terms of, you know, breaking down sports and, and that type of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think he, you know, today was just a banner day for Todd. Once again, most Fridays are to yep. be honest. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean the limerick and he had a kind of a dig at Dan from a caller through him and yeah, that was just. A little wild scene. The Mountain Dew cake, I think. He liked it, too. It seemed like he liked it. <laughs> Two pieces. <laughs> he was... <laughs> Dylan. Um, uh, so, so we'll get it off Todd for a second because, um, and not to dwell on this, but when they were doing, having the whole mustard mayo thing and Seton mentioned that he makes tuna fish with mustard instead, I mean, it's probably fine, but that was like, uh, what are you doing moment for me are you calling out seaton right now for his affinity towards mustard yes very much so well it just shouldn't be an either or thing i don't know tuna fish and mustard sandwich not my bag 
I mean, I, I like both of them. So mustard, mayo, but mustard on tuna fish, I would have to agree with you. I've never heard that. And I, it didn't seem like anybody else in the room really was on board. It was, it was like everyone just went silent. Moment of silence. So if you're listening, seeing shots fired, mustard on tuna. I don't know about that. Keeping the train going here. Um, so this this question comes up pretty often, and I think Dan answers it pretty often. Um, but you know, probably once every six months, a caller will call in and ask him, um, "How did the height and weight belt come into uh, play here at the Dan Patrick Show?" So if you don't know what that means, uh, when callers call in, they often say, uh, "Yeah, six four, two hundred pounds," and then uh, a bell, like a ding, uh, follows it up. Um, so Dan, a caller called in today and Dan retold that story. So just in case you missed it or you don't know where that came from, here was that story. This goes back to when I had a co-host, Rob Dibble. And Dibble would always want to tell you how big he was. He was trying to put on weight, the former nasty boy of the Cincinnati Reds. So he would always go, uh, I'd say, uh, what do you, what do you weigh today? And he'd go, uh, six, four, two And I go... You know, I, so I wanted to remind him that he kept doing this all the time. And that's why we had the bell, the height and weight bell. And then the audience just picked up on it. And then they just started calling in, giving their height and weight, which I was fine with. Thought it was great. I always find it funny when uh, an audience member will call in and it's like some, I think somebody called in the other day and he was like, um, six, eight, 160 pounds. And it's like, and, uh, <laughs> Wait, how does that even work out, Eric? Yeah, or conversely, where it's like, you know, five, seven, four thirty. And you're like, all right, bud. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the height and weight is interesting how that all plays out. Dylan? Um, and then weren't there I don't know if it was a caller. They're talking about I think it was a basketball player they're saying it was seven foot one eighty. Was that that was today, I think, right? Yeah, it was today. Yeah. I yeah. like I mean, that is insane being set i would be happy to be six foot 180 well you were that you were that at one point so maybe maybe an <laughs> many older many you. moons ago <laughs> i don't think i'd call in and give my way I, you know too many meat fridays of lately i'd be a little bit uh, nervous too to say the least um the last thing i wanted to get about or get into this week was uh, a little bit more on a somber note uh, the passing of Alex Trebek. So the great Alex Trebek, the host of Jeopardy. Um, he, he had a great relationship with Dan. And I, what I wanted to bring back was more so just a, a story that Dan shared about uh, his interaction or uh, one time that he went out with Alex Trebek uh, for dinner. Alex calls me up in that Alex Trebek voice. And uh, he said, let's go to dinner. And we went to dinner and we went at like, because I had to get up early to do the radio show. And I think we went at like five o'clock and we're, we're the only ones in the restaurant all the way in the back. And he was just, he was a gentleman. He was graceful. There, there was kindness there. And he just said, look, ask me anything you want. If I can help you in any way to understand this transition. Now, keep in mind, there were already articles out there that I was being brought in to audition to replace Alex Trebek which was not true, was not interested in doing that job. Love that, you know, that somebody would consider me for that, but I was never up for that job. And I told Alex, before we get started with dinner, I don't want your job. And he says, you're not getting it. 
And I and then we just laughed because I had to get it out of the way because I, I just never you know wanted him to think that I was brought in and I somehow wanted that job. I think that soundbite alone is a win all around, right? Because Dan's name, Dan's you know Hall of Fame broadcaster, very well known, and his name has come up a couple of times for other uh, ventures, at least while, while I've been here, right? So every time you hear him come up for another venture, you're like. Is he going? Is he, you know, you never really know. Um, but you know, hearing that he, oh, he's not going to go anywhere, it kind of makes you feel a little bit more at ease. Marv, I saw you shaking your head. Oh, absolutely. I'm like, man, I just got here. Don't leave yet. But he was asked to be on the Mad Singer, and so like, I'm sure he gets offers to do stuff all the time, and so it's good to be a part of like his main gig, which is the show. But you know, the fact that. You know, there were even rumors about him uh, possibly replacing Alex Trebek. It's a big deal. So even to be like mentioned that, even if it was a rumor, to me just shows you what type of rarefied air that uh, DP's in. I mean, one, if Dan did ever get on The Masked Singer, it would be hilarious. Because Dan, as we've talked about in the past, has a thing for singing. (laughs) He goes around the studio all day long just singing songs. Um, I don't know necessarily if they would be for air, but nonetheless, he does have a knack for singing. Dylan? Do we think there's any show out there that he would leave the Dan Patrick show for? Because I feel like, I mean, the mass singer seems like, like you said, it would be right up his alley. Um, But do you think there's one where he'd be like, I don't know if I could turn that one down? I don't necessarily know if he would uh, leave this show for the Mass Singer. I think that would just be an appearance. So, uh, but Marv, did you have your hand up? Oh no, I was just gonna say there's plenty of songs. Like Dan would sing all originals if he was on the Mass Singer. Lots of <laughs> lots of bleeps, but they'd be originals. <laughs> and I think only the other eleven or twelve people in the studio would sing along with him out of the millions of people that would watch it. Like, oh, that's my jam. I love when he comes <laughs> in and sings that. I'm singing a couple in my head right yeah. now, but I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to uh, sing them actually verbally. Uh, Eric, I know you had met Alex Trebek uh, when he had come into the New York studio a couple years ago. I think that was 2014. Um, you had shared a story with me earlier in the week, and I just wanted you to bring that back or tell it again. I think it just talked to exactly the kind of person that he was. Yeah, it was a pretty special time. Um, I'm sure it probably didn't leave as big of a memory uh, with Alex as it did with me. But so I, my job at the time was to go get the guests, um, find them often uh, in the streets of New York and bring them into the building and through security and upstairs and get them mic'd and all that stuff. So I go outside and uh car pulls up and Alex comes out and I said, hi, Alex, I'm Eric with Dan Patrick Show. He goes, hi, Eric, you know, how are you? Blah, blah. So we start walking in. And we get in the elevator and just like Dan said on the show today, his voice was just his voice. So I'm in the elevator with Alex Trebek and he goes, so Eric, how long have you worked on the Dan Patrick show? And I felt like I was being interviewed like they do coming back from the commercial break. Um, <laughs> and uh, he was just a very genuine, genuine guy. You know, remember my name then saw him a few more times, got him on, did his interview and then was bringing him out and back down to his car. And again, in the elevator, he was like, this was really fun, Eric. And um, I just, First of all, it just shows um, his intelligence because I can't remember someone's name as they're telling me. Um, but um, <laughs> but uh, they uh, it, it's just kind of amazing. Uh, such a genuine person. And, um, 
you guys were talking about whether Dan would would take uh, take a job somewhere else or not. I, I think um, yeah, I think he loved his time on Sports Jeopardy, and if there was an opportunity to bring Sports Jeopardy back, I think he would probably want to host it. Um, but I, there's a lot to a lot of pride in having a show with your name on it, and um, I don't think that he would leave this to go take a full time job somewhere else, um, especially when he's still on top of his game like he is now. And, um, you know, there's just, like I said, he has so much pride in what, what we do here. And uh, earlier we were kind of allude, alluding to it, but um, there's a lot of pressure <laughs> working for him, uh, you know, because you, um, it's not like you're just working on, you know, like I used to work on some shows at different networks and it's just, it was the show name, right? And so if something bad happened, um, you know, you'd hear from the producer or whatever, but in general it was okay. Well, if something bad happens here, Dan's name is on it. So um, there's a lot of pressure to, to do your best every day. And, um, yeah, I think uh, I think it's just I don't think Dan would leave us even if even if they did offer him Jeopardy, which I don't know if they did or didn't, but I think there's a lot of pride that he has in uh, what we do here every day. Yeah, I mean, and as we've talked about in the past, there's only so many of us here, so it's even that much more um, of that kind of camaraderie and that tight knit group where you know bigger productions or in the past there's. 50 people working on one show here. There's only 15, you know, on a good day. Um, so having that kind of such a small group of people uh, churn out daily, what we do here, there is definitely some pride in that. And I know Dan, he's expressed how appreciative he is of that. So that's all we got this week on the 1215 club for Mu Ariel, Marvin, the Prince, Eric, the big German, Dylan, the graphics guy. We will catch you next week. Have a good weekend, everybody.